NetApp Insight 2015 was all about the data fabric. Joining us today is cloud architect Kevin Hill to talk all about cloud on tap and its role in the data fabric. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Pedro Arrow, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Good afternoon and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast, episode number 11. My name is Pete Fletcher, a.k.a. Pedro Arrow, and joining me as always is... The man who put the flex in flex bar, Glenn Sizemore. <laughs> that is Pat Synthusen. <laughs> yeah, that is Pat Synthusen, <laughs> and a uh, little story about that. But before I do, I want to welcome Andrew Sullivan. Andrew, how you doing, sir? I am fantastic today. I had to paddle my canoe into work, but, you know, it was good. So you know, a little bit of a little bit of a workout getting here. Yeah, a little bit of a monsoon out there, man. I'm I'm, I'm worried. Hurricane is 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 coming soon. Yeah, the the for for the listeners, uh, we we are. We'll go ahead and just disclose this ahead of time. It is the week before Insight for us. Yep, uh, we are all getting ready to to head out and begin the craziness. Uh, but we figured we had a window where we could bring in a very special guest, so we wanted to go ahead and record this while he was still in town and had not begun his global trotting yet. <laughs> and, and that just happens to coincide with a hurricane that is going up the side of the East Coast right now in the United States. So it is wet outside. Absolutely. And on that note, we'll welcome cloud solution architect Kevin Hill back to the podcast. Kevin, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I always love doing this. So before we even dive into that, we were talking about Pat Synthesin, and you know that he, you know, he wanted to record one. He grabbed me at VMworld and said, I want to okay. do a Glenn greeting. And I was like, absolutely, we'll do it. So I helped him out with a little bit. How do you think that went? You think it was pretty easy? Yeah, it was, it, I, I think that was pretty good. Yeah, because, you know, Pat, right? easy, right? Real quick. Well, yeah. The man who flexed on a flex part himself, Glenn Sizemore. No, the man who puts the flex, flex in flex, flex pod. In yeah. flex pod. Yeah. The man who flexed the flex in the man who flexed the flex in flex part. The man who, okay, the man who flexed. No, the man who puts the flex in flex pod. The man who put the flex in flex part. Okay, let me, let me try that again. The man who flexed. The man who, okay, the man who, the man who put the flex in flex part. Glenn Sizemore. <laughs> I like it. I think that'll work. Yeah, so, yeah. It went pretty smooth, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? In Pat's defense, uh, I, I have um, many a times over the years uh, doing this show, you know, th you, there's something about putting a mic in front of someone's f face that, that just turns their brain off. They, <laughs> they freak out, and they're just like, I don't know what I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, so. I'm, not, I'm not sure what you're talking about. That sounds like Pat's normal conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pat. Yeah. For those of you that know, don't know Pat Synthesin, he's one of our technical marketing engineers, super passionate, one of the best SQL guys I know, but a lot of fun, big part of the family, and so I'm glad that he was able to do one. Absolutely. Let's talk about some cloud on tap and some data fabric. So, Kevin. Yes? You've been to the show several times. Sometimes you're the expert on WFA. Other times you're just cluster data on tap expert. Today, though, you're going to put on your most recent hat, which is the cloud architect. So you've been pretty busy. I know you've been preparing for Insight as well as AWS reInvent. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you know what, what you've been working on lately? Oh, okay, sure. Um, yeah, both events, um, it's, the challenge is they both are back-to-back. -back, you know, So as Glenn mentioned, I'm going to be heading out to AWS reInvent next week. Um, actually, uh, I'm leaving in a couple of days. So um, you know, that's where we're, I think, the only storage vendor at the AWS reInvent event. You know, and the thing that's kind of exciting there is that you know, people that know us come up and say, hey, your storage, what are you doing at a cloud event? Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, you know what? I've got a great store for you. That's, a, that's an awesome question. And that helps me get into what our cloud strategy is. That helps us talk about our data fabric message as well. Take the next week beyond that. That's you know um, Insight in the U.S. And then a couple of weeks after, we're going to be doing Insight in Berlin. You know, so these all kind of flow into each other. So I'm thankful that there's uh, overlap because you know creating content, as you guys know, is time consuming. Oh yeah. You know, and also just the relevant content. And that's really what I'm trying to do as well. You know, so uh, talking about you know our cloud to cloud failover capability, or being able to go from one cloud to another with our NPS solutions. You know, going ahead and 
helping say that uh, helping customers understand that no matter which cloud, either their private cloud um, or on-premises data centers, depending upon where they're at in their evolution, or if they leverage cloud service providers for some other um, infrastructure or services, or if they're really going into the cloud, you know, going all in, either AWS or um, Microsoft Azure, IBM Software, whatever the cloud service might be, and how all of our products or solutions fit into each of those clouds. You know, and then that's really kind of the basis for our data fabric as well to where, hey, you can use whatever, whatever NetApp product solution that meets your needs with whatever cloud solution that meets your needs and then be able to move your data around to the cloud of choice. You know, and not fear of uh, making a mistake on uh, decision on which cloud solution to use or fear of making a decision because you know, it's really easy to flip over to another cloud solution based upon our data mobility and our number one storage operating system. Yeah. So Kevin, what, what types of applications are we seeing customers deploying into not just the, the cloud, right, quote unquote the cloud, but also using NetApp private storage and, and those solution or that solution suite from NetApp? So um, that's a great question. You know, there's, there's a lot of effort for um, customers nowadays to get, get out of the data center business. You know, they don't want to keep maintaining their own data center business. Well, with NetApp private storage, they're really going to be in more or less a co-location facility, which is right next to the cloud. You know, so that's where they can still take advantage of NetApp's you know, storage management and data management capabilities with the elasticity that the public cloud has to offer. Now, we've been seeing customers actually move their production application workloads to the public cloud. You know, and the thing that's nice is that if there is a low period, you know, they really have, you know, I'll just use AWS's terms, they have uh, CloudWatch going through and saying like, oh, you're at a low utilization, you don't need that much compute. Well, if their utilization starts to ramp up or whatever metrics that they're looking at, you know, um, makes it sense to go ahead and spin up additional resources, that's done automatically. So it really scales up and scales out and then still leverages the NetApp private storage um, systems for their data security, for their data compliance, for their uh, regulatory uh, restrictions like HIPAA or whatever financial um, um, institutions might have to say, you're the steward of that data, it can't be in the public cloud. Or for other countries, um, Germany and Canada come to mind where the data can't leave the country. So those are great solutions there. But any, any application workload, it's the same kind of application workload they'd have on-premises, but it's just now um, the compute's just running up in the public cloud. Yeah, and, and so for me, NPS strikes a, a chord with me, particularly, you know, I don't know if anybody knows, right? I'm a, I'm a container guy. I've heard, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if that's news to you guys, so. But, uh, no, uh, so. Shipping it, containers, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of going on, on trucks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He likes Tupperware. But, uh, you know, it, it, once you take NPS, right, and NPS gives you that adjacency to the cloud, and not just any cloud, right, multiple clouds. Uh, and then At the same time. Yeah, and then you take containers, which decouple the application from right, the operating system. So now, so long as it's a Linux, I can run it. And what that, at least from my perspective, really enables is that multi-cloud solution. Right? And I think it's particularly interesting because you know, what happened to AWS a couple of weeks ago, right? DynamoDB had all kinds of issues out of US East and it knocked, you know, massive players offline, right? It wasn't Netflix. just DynamoDB, I can attest to that. Yeah, so, you know, having that, having a true multi-cloud strategy is something that I think a lot of companies are starting to evaluate now mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's a reality. You can actually do this and you can do it effectively. Uh, you know, and it's a lot of that's enabled by things like NPS. Oh, uh, no doubt. I mean, one of the um, one, one of the most popular videos that I've done, either with me as the headshot standing up there, or just the um, I'll say the booth demo type of video showing the infographics and um, the uh, the applications in action, is the cloud to cloud failover. Now, again, you know, is cloud to cloud failover a mo most common use case? The answer is no. But from la last week or so. It should or be, so. though, because well, it's pretty awesome. Well, it, it should it, be. It's, it's a data mobility thing or a cloud mobility thing. You know, because uh, the, in this scenario, for people that have not seen it, this is where we have NetApp private storage, and we've got an iSCSI LUN, which is mounted to, two, to do two different SQL servers. You know, one happens to be in AWS, and one happens to be in Microsoft Azure. Well, the failover scenario is you shut off one of those uh, nodes. You know, failover cluster manager sees that immediately and then brings it up on the other node. It happens to be in another cloud. Take your pick on which one you do the failover to or from. The thing is, no data movement was required. You know, so this gives massive flexibility to folks, either for the cloud-to-cloud cloud fail or cloud-to-cloud cloud failover scenario, like um, Andrew was mentioning, 
or you know what? Hey, you know, we're all we all we're all realists. You know, we're in a storage industry. Well, do your do our customers have our competitor storage uh, systems? The answer is yes. Right. Why? Partially to compete against each other. Partially to make sure that if there's an issue with one, they can go to go over to another. Well, the hyperscalers. This is the same kind of thing. What is your cloud of choice? Do you want to go in AWS? Well, maybe I need to have Microsoft Azure. Maybe I need to go to IBM Software. Maybe in the future I need to go to Google Cloud Platform. Well, how many storage systems do you need? Well, with NPS, you only need one. Yeah. And for clarification, and I don't know if you mentioned this, but it's worth re repeating, is that the NetApp private storage system, that's your gear as the customer, right? So you're in that co-located facility, but it's not like you're renting that. It's actually your gear that's connected via fiber to 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 the one your data center of choice, right? <laughs> Minor correction. Yes, NetApp private storage, customer owns the gear. No fiber. No fiber. <laughs> We're in the cloud. I mean, this is a dedicated public cloud connection, you know, which is you know basically a ten gig pipe, either you know, direct connect for Amazon Azure Express Route with you know if, if you're in that Conex co-location facility, you've got Cloud Exchange, but it is IP based. Aha. Uh -huh. okay. So it's not fiber. You know, there with the MPS solution, you can still have fiber, but that would be connected to any compute you have in that co-location cage alongside your NetApp storage. Yeah. So you have those possibilities, but you know the only thing that you don't have in a hyperscaler cloud model is fiber. But you still have um, you still have block with iSCSI. Sure, that makes sense. So, but um, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, the only thing that really changes with an MPS solution is, for the gear, the customer still owns the gear. It's the location. Yeah. It's not in their on-premises data center. It's in a co-location facility. Well, and actually, let me rephrase that. It could be in their own data center. The only thing that really is dependent upon where that that um, NetApp private storage system lives is the overall latencies. How close is that customer's data center to the public cloud? And can't you know? And that's really going to um, determine the latencies that they're going to hit. If the latencies are acceptable, yeah, shoot, go ahead and use your own data center. That's okay. fine. You know, but. In most cases, people want low latency, sub-millisecond latency, and that's really where you do need a co-location provider that helps you be right next to the public cloud. Fair enough. So let's let's uh, let's kind of systematically walk through this because we got a lot of stuff to cover. Um, I, I before we do that though, I I do want to reinforce something that that Andrew and and Kevin just said um, because I, I wholeheartedly agree with it. When we start proselytizing and, and declaring that that this this technology is dead and this one's going to win and everyone's headed this way. Um, there, in, in these moments of big transitions and big swings, you know, so, some of the basic stuff that, that, you know, just IT managers inherently understand and is part of their, their standard operating procedures sometimes gets lost for a little bit. And, and I, think it's, it's, I think it's funny. You know, I, I read a couple of articles recently when, when the, the, the big uh, Amazon the most recent Amazon outage uh, occurred. Yeah. You know, they, they all go down. Back to back. No, well, yeah, that, that that this is what happens when you change things, right? But but it, th this is the power of continuous continuous integration and continuous improvement. You know, mm -hmm. they were able to to fight back from a very very complicated point and and get it back. Even though yes, they did they did suffer two outages. They were able to to, to get it back fairly quickly, given mm -hmm. given the the size of change that needed needed to be made. But sure. if you talk to a customer about hypervisors or about storage system providers or even about networking, they're very very keen on multiple vendors. As you as you said, right? We want a two vendor strategy. We we need multiple different options. You know, we don't want to have all of our eggs in one basket. No vendor lock-in. Yeah, no vendor lock-in, right? But but when we start talking about cloud environments, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's it's just like, well, it's the cloud. I don't have to worry about that. Well, <laughs> yes and no, right? Because because th this is the thing, and and this isn't an original thought for me. It's something that I actually learned from the VMware Labs guys uh, years and years and years ago uh, from those fantastic sessions that they hold at VMworld where they disclose their environment. You know, there was one year where the whole lab infrastructure was just atrocious. Just everybody, it, it was terrible, and everybody was fighting it. And when they gave the session at the end of the the week, the the cloud architect gets up there and he's like, "Well, here's what happened. Uh, it turns out that you need to actually order your bandwidth, uh, and you can't let someone else in the team order your bandwidth um, <laughs> because somebody else had bought a non-symmetric pipe, and you know they had burst up to what they needed, but they weren't guaranteed symmetric performance for what they needed." Now, here's the downside of that. We had 20,000 people at a conference. Oh, my goodness. Right? 20,000 people at a conference. They needed a 45-meg pipe to support the conference. They were bursting to 45, but they only had guaranteed 10. So the whole show suffered, right? Yep. Once that happens, it's too late. 
And you can go back and you can complain and you can push on your vendor and you can yell and scream and shake your fist. They, they, they will pay a fine. That's it. Mm-hmm. There is no recourse for you. You are down. Everyone who was at that event, the internet was terrible and damn near not functional in the hands-on labs. They didn't work for a day and a half. And they're still they, talking about it years later. Yeah. Well, yep. no, it's, it's, I think uh, th- there's a lot of people who listen to this that, that, that will remember this. Absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, we were all there for it. But, but it's, it's, it's a good example of that. You know, when, when stuff happens in a hosted environment, your recourse is you get a refund. But there, there is no way for you to be like, no, I really need you to turn it on now. I'm going out of business as we speak. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, those, those SLAs from the cloud providers are there to protect the cloud provider. Precisely. Right? It's, it's, hey, okay, sorry we missed our SLA. Here's a free, you know, a free day or a free week or whatever Here's it happens Starbucks to card. be. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, as opposed to, you know, you can't sue them and say, well, I lost $100 million or a billion dollars, right? And, and you need to... You know, make up that rev- that lost revenue to me. So well, yeah, no, those those SLAs I think are there to set expectations for the customer, but also to protect the provider. Well, and you know, I, I agree with I agree with that, and I agree with kind of what, what you said. But I think that that you know, if I take that a little bit further, um, you know, we've we're a couple years on beyond that event, and the, oh, yeah. re- the and the reason that people are interested in the public cloud is because of the elasticity that they can glean. You know. Yeah, maybe they didn't order the right pipe. You know, maybe from an MPLS connection. You know, that's that's a little bit more of a hardware perspective. But you know, everything is virtualized and everything is ephemeral in the cloud. You know, so if they need more compute or if they need more CPU, if they need more memory, that's a simply uh, that's as simple as flipping a switch. Oh yeah. You know, and be able to burst up. You know, yes. You know, as you consume more resources, you pay more, but you also have the automation capabilities in the cloud to go ahead and spin them up or spin them down as needed. And that's really where hey, I need more. Guess what? You can have more. But that only works if the persistence tier is available for you to spin up from. And 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 that's why I so strongly agree with with your statement. And this is why I think that our strategy is the one that's going to win. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Which which we should probably actually disclose what that is. So do you want to <laughs> give us a a introduction, Kevin? Let's start at the beginning. Uh, we this is not your first time on the show. Uh, longtime listeners of the show know you well. Uh, but but we do have some new some new friends who are joining us with the new name. So let's just do a level set. You know, let let's talk about what our cloud strategy is here at NetApp and and what what it is you and your team are building. Sure, sure. So we talked a little bit about the strategy, and that really folds right into what the da- um, you know our overall data fabric is. You know, the overall strategy is you know having NetApp uh, storage solutions and products available for any cloud that you might have. Again, private service you know, cloud service provider. Or public cloud, you know, and then um, because we've already talked about it, you, people might already have understood it that it's really freedom of choice and no lock-in. You know, being able to go ahead and go up into the public cloud because you're all in, right? Most co- most companies, most uh, CEOs, CIOs end up saying like, "I'm all in," until the uh, HR, or the financial guys, them come back and say, um, <clears throat> "No, no, you're not." Yeah. You or- or the CFO gets the bill at the end of the quarter. Uh, yeah, yeah, that 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 surprise. Oh, it's only going to be this much, and then there's other ancillary charges of you know data portability and yeah. you know, ingress egress and you, what the people didn't turn stuff off. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, um, yeah. That uh, we, we need to we need to change we need to reevaluate our um, our uh, strategy. Yeah, but, or as Rachel Dines called it last week, uh, uh, Hotel California. <laughs> yeah, no, you you can always come you can always uh, come, but you can never leave. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really actually, that's a great segue because that's what we're trying to offer. You know, being able to move your data around to whatever cloud resource, either into or out of the cloud. If you just use native cloud resources, you're pretty much going in. And then you need to reevaluate if it's going to be cost effective to pull that data back out or if you just trash it. Because it gets to be very painful in different ways, either just uh, data egress tr- um, from the charges or just inability of moving, you know, pulling things back out. But that's really where, from our capabilities, you know, we've got Snap Mirror, Snap Vault. Okay, you know, we have the same operating system that's running up in the cloud, and we're also improving that from a data portability with I- including all of our other platforms as well in a, a couple of future releases. That means, hey, put your data wherever you want it. You need to move your data, move it. You know, yep. easily. You know, and there's other methodologies for saying like, which is the right way? Do I actually go over VPN? Do I go through the Direct Connect connection or Express Route? Do I actually have a dedicated MPLS connection? There's different strategies for different sizes of companies. Okay. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. But the whole strategy and the whole data fabric message is: have your cloud your way. You know, move your data to the cloud or move it back out. Your freedom of choice for being able to move things around. 
So no vendor lock-in. We're being agnostic with everyone. And you get NetApp's feature richness on top of cloud. Right. Yeah, because and then uh, that's a little bit of a segue into other offerings like Cloud on Tap, where we're actually running in the public cloud, but we're bringing storage efficiencies and enterprise data management to the public cloud, which doesn't exist because they do offer storage services, but we've been in the we've been in the storage and data management industry for two decades. Yep. Yeah. So it's hard to compete with that. Yeah, I was actually going to say. So we've already talked about NPS. The majority of our listeners already understand the the goodness of On Tap. Uh, and so about a year ago, we came out at Insight specifically. We introduced Cloud on Tap. And so I'm sure some people know about it, but why don't we sort of unpeel that layer of sort of what actually is Cloud on Tap and how does it, you know, how does it stand up against, say, you know, how does it compare next to just a physical controller with cluster data on tap? Sure, sure. No, great, uh, great questions. So what we have um, is, uh, so Cloud on Tap is just data on tap, you know, but we've virtualized it. And what we've done with the virtualization is that we're actually running that on an Amazon virtual machine. For those of you who are aware, that's called an EC2 instance, Elastic Cloud Compute. So some people have asked, you know, is that ONTAP Edge? Uh, call it ONTAP Edge's cousin. <laughs> so it, it's effectively the same kind of thing. But it's ONTAP, it's just virtualized, running on other hardware, other platform. You know, and with Amazon, what that cloud instance is, or that virtual instance is for EC2, we don't know what the hardware is underneath the covers most of the times. And that's a blessing and a curse in some ways, but it's a blessing because we don't have to worry about it. It's going to be there. Right. And with <clears throat> with Cloud on Tap, you know, people have asked me, well, can I do flex clones? Can I go and use the APIs? Can I run the same processes? And the answer is it's on tap. So the answer is yes. Yep. The only things that you cannot do on an on a cloud on tap system is anything that's related to physical attributes of a, a of a system. Yeah. You know, so and that's really that's really it. You know, I've got automation routines running against cloud on tap. I've got, you know, ways of uh, going ahead and pulling it into different orchestration engines, <laughs> WFA for everyone who doesn't know me already. You know, so you know, it's just the same kind of thing, but the the you won't have cloud on tap without another piece, which is cloud manager. So okay. so um, the way to deploy Cloud on Tap, it's pretty easy. It's pretty slick. Is that you use Cloud Manager? So Cloud Manager is a new, um, new member of the on-command portfolio. So it's on-command Cloud Manager. You can either pull it down from the AWS Marketplace or from, if you're a customer, from the NetApp Support Download site and put it on a virtual machine in your own data center if you want. You know, but that data center that would have to have a VPN connectivity up to your Amazon Cloud. So, and we can talk about that more later. But you know, that's that gets a yeah. little bit deeper, but. Primarily, the primary uh, purpose of Cloud Manager is to help deploy Cloud ONTAP systems quickly and easily. You know, and you know, if people come to my Insight sessions or see me do a demo before, you know, this is where I can get in and go ahead and uh, use Cloud Manager, go ahead and uh, kick off the instantiation of a Cloud ONTAP system in about 30 seconds, and then in roughly 20 minutes, you know, we'll have a fully functioning cluster data ONTAP system running in the public cloud. Okay, so on-command cloud manager is what you actually use to deploy your cloud on tap, and it doesn't have to be in the cloud with the cloud on tap. It can be actually installed locally, and then you can just manage it via VPN. Correct. You know the the things that cloud manager requires, and actually the, the to boil it down, it does two main actions. It deploys AWS resources for you, so there needs to be some limited internet connectivity because we go out through uh, internet to go ahead and tickle the uh, Amazon APIs. Okay. You know, and then. Part of uh, logging into, <laughs> come on, man, <laughs> keep it clean. Yeah, for, for, for those of you that can't see, Andrew Sullivan is making really funny tickle gestures, and it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, but uh, you know, when you log into Cloud Manager, you also uh, um, apply your some of your Amazon credential credentials. So you've got an access key, secret key for your Am um, Amazon account, and again, this would be an identity and access amount. Uh, Identity and Access Management, IAM, user, kind of a sub-user, yeah. with credentials. And that's just strongly recommended. Never use your AWS root credentials, please. Anybody who knows yeah, this? Yeah. Yes, God, no. <laughs> yeah, there's other stories I kind of wish that that credential didn't exist. Like, I, I kind of wish that Amazon would just unwind that thing and get rid of the, the master account, because that master account scares the crap out of me. Yep, no, I agree. I mean, I would think, I, I believe you're right, because, I mean, pretty much don't allow having access and secret keys on the master account. Yeah, that would that would be much more secure. But yep. but anyway, so and again, there's a longer story of other um, companies getting their AWS account hacked, and then they're no longer in business. But you know, that's yeah, a different typically that's how that that story ends, which is why it scares me so much. Companies that have lost control of their master root account 
they go out of business. Yep. Like it actually has happened more than once. So you will always hear me recommend always use an IAM user. Yeah. You know, and on that you have the access key and secret key, which is linked to your uh, login when you log into Cloud Manager. So that's how we know which account to help deploy AWS resources in from Cloud Manager. So when those cloud resources are available, you know, the Amazon Virtual Machine, some of the underlying EBS disks for, you know, boot, root, and data, you know, the um, ENI, so um, Elastic Network Interfaces for the network interfaces and the public IPs, or the, the, the IPs that go on that, not public. And then once those are all there, and Cloud Manager needs to be able to talk to that instance. So that's really what the reason for the VPN into their virtual private cloud and AWS within that subnet. So to be able to talk to that Cloud ONTAP instance, because now we do the configuration for NetApp. Okay. We do the configuration. Um, think of uh, it was called Big Easy uh, uh, System Setup. System Setup. Thank you. Um, it's effectively the same kind of thing. We'll go and set up the cluster. We'll go ahead and set up the storage virtual machine. We'll set up the data aggregate. We'll you know set up all the the logical interfaces. We'll set up everything and then create a volume if you've asked us to as well. But once it's there, you have all pro um, all protocols. Well. NFS, SIFS, and iSCSI. We also have all logical interfaces. There's okay. no need to create anything else. You already have NFS, SIFS, iSCSI. You also have the intercluster lift if you want to do replication. You just get going. And from that point, I can just use on-command system manager to manage it with the rest of my environment, you right? You can use any NetApp product or any of your current existing scripts or WFA or you know Unified Manager or OCI to go ahead and um, look at these things. You know, to, to go ahead and manage it. Not even just look at them, but do active management. Um, you know, a little further on for that is, you know, most people know that I do WFA. And one of the things that I've been doing from NetApp Insight is creating a couple of different um, use cases. I've also been working with the workflow automation team, you know, because what we're doing is we're going to be creating uh, effectively a cloud pack that's going to be available on the workflow automation store. So you can go ahead and use these workflows and go ahead and deploy cloud on tap systems or turn on or turn off cloud on tap systems or you know, do um, other active management of the Cloud ONTAP systems, either through, via Cloud Manager or directly through Cloud ONTAP, because, again, WFA already comes with some ONTAP workflows. Yeah. They'll just work. Because it's ONTAP. Because it's ONTAP. But this one workflow, I'm going to mention it because I'm kind of proud of it, um, that what I do is actually I'll end up deploying two Cloud ONTAP systems through Cloud Manager. All right. They're in different availability zones. So, you know, so for, for more or less redundancy, I'll then go ahead and create volumes on each of those Cloud ONTAP systems. I'll then go through and establish snap mirror relationships bi-directional, so volume on system one is replicated over to system two, and the volume on system two is replicated over to system one. Okay. And then I've also worked with the OCI team, the on-command insight team, figured out how to add those as data, store, uh, data stores to OCI automatically. So at one go, you've gone through and deployed effectively an industry HA kind of cap uh, system for Cloud ONTAP, and it's already been uh, put into OCI for active monitoring. Nice. And it's, it, I, it's, it's pretty slick. But those are the kinds of capabilities, and I'm just using the same APIs that are in Cloud Manager. So the Cloud Manager user interface is built on top of its APIs. So and this is where that helps bring a lot of the automation in together. Yeah, and and you know that that's one of those things. You know, when, when we start talking about automation, the problem with automation is it, there's a slope here, right? Mm -hmm. And and there's there's automation that's really simple to do, right? And then there's automation that requires someone who's been doing this for 15 years, and they've just got that body of work to to be able to to build that solution. And finding that guy at the top end of the scale is a real big challenge for customers, mm -hmm. right? So, it, you know, a lot of times, you know, when, when we're talking about this and, and when we're evaluating these solutions, you know, people are like, well, automate and orchestrate. And I'm guilty of this as well. But it's important to, to understand the differences in, in, in the lift. And in this case, the entry point is all the way at the bottom, mm -hmm. right? That consuming the existing automation that we've got inside WFA you know that's that's a GUI driven tool, man. You're not writing code. You're not you're not compiling. You're not you're not interpreting an, an, an API set. You're just consuming something that somebody else has built. You know, yep. tool makers have produced or toolsmiths have gone off and built the tool set. And and as customers, you're just consuming that work. You know, but if you choose to, if you've got that guy that that's capable of building it himself, you know, the underlying access is wide open. And and as you yourself have done, the world is your oyster. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's a great point. And then that's really the... I've always firmly believed that, you know, WFA is a great platform. It's a great framework. Yeah. You know, and from an automation perspective, you know, 
it's not a lot different than some of the other tools that are out there from other vendors. But um, I do like its capability of pulling in resources and actually making intelligent decisions. I mean, that's some of the things that I, I think it does a little bit better than some of the other ones. I will admit, and I'm sorry if this is going to irritate anyone, that its user interface is not the prettiest. <laughs> but it's, it's not HTML5? Uh, it's fine. It, it's fine. But, you know, the other thing that's, but actually, the other thing that's cool is that you don't even need to use that interface. You can actually have a, you can create your own portal on top of it and just call the workflows underneath and yeah. then have a really slick solution. That's fantastic. You know, but but again, you know, that's kind of the beauty of of this. You know, you know, we're going through and producing the workflows. I'm working with the workflow automation engineering team and the content development team so that those are going to be publicly available. And for those of you who have not seen it, there's actually a link that says workflow automation store. You can go to an online work, workflow automation store and then pull that down and you can start using them. And as Glenn, as you mentioned, you know, you can either use them as is or make slight modification to them to tweak them to your needs. Which you is probably more common, right? It is very common. It's very yeah. common because people have their own standards for yep. naming conventions. And, you know, God forbid, you know, somebody just wants to put in, you know, a certain name. That's great. But the storage architects or cloud architects or, you know, virtualization architects have said that, no, we need a certain structure or these, this certain tiering or certain, you know, decisions on what storage to use, whatever the resources might be. But they can go ahead and easily add those things in. And they don't have to rework everything. Right. You know, but if they also want to try and do some other integration or pioneer a new path that hasn't been done, that's pretty easy to do too. Yeah, that, that, I guess my point uh, that I was trying to make earlier is that at this point, I think everyone understands that it's required. Uh, it, it's no longer a, a you know conversation about, you know, are you a quote-unquote Windows guy and driving a mouse in a GUI or are you a Unix guy and you're an automation scripter? If you self-identify as a, you know, I use a mouse... Uh, you're in the wrong field, buddy, because uh, it's going away. Well, and and actually, at the end of the day, w do people really want to care if it's Linux or Windows? Well, and that's my point, right? So, so when you when you make that shift, when when you make that mental jump, and you accept the fact that you know I need to start worrying about things like what's my what's 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 my administrative to server ratio, right? How many people do, does it take for me to manage an instance? You know, and, and, and is that a healthy number? Where, where do I line up with my competitors inside my vertical, inside the industry that I work in, right? That mm -hmm. sort of stuff. And when you start to do that, again, that slope that I was referring to, it's really hard when you start and oh, yeah. you don't have the, this knowledge. You don't have the, these, this skill set or these expertise. And if you try to just go buy it or rent it through a consulting agency, that's very, very expensive. Yep. But taking something like WFA or, or, or the other tools that are out there, because there's, there's so many of them and they're all awesome. Mm -hmm. um, any of them, and and just consuming something that that somebody else has built, yeah, right? not reinventing the wheel. Yeah, <laughs> I was talking to uh, our, our our good friend uh, VMS. You know, she she was playing around with some power CLI stuff and asking me some questions, and she was like, she she was she was getting down on herself because you know she was uh, asking questions, and I and I told her I was like, man, the first rule of automation is to steal. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't ever invent something new. You want to steal until there's nothing left to steal, and then thieve a little bit more, and then only write code when there's absolutely no way for you to borrow something from somebody <laughs> else. Like that—that that is how this world works. So yep. you start with something like WFA. You build that base school kit. Maybe at first you're just using the workflows that are there, but then as you get that expertise, then you're able to start bringing this stuff in and 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 making that transition into continuous operations and continuous integration, DevOps, that sort of workflow, mm -hmm. which is when the cloud really explodes. And that's when the real value shows up. Yeah, and also save off and save frequently because uh, in my uh, journey for developing other stuff, um, I got nailed by a bug and I didn't have a backup. Yeah, source control is your friend. Yeah, well, three days later. Um, uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> so, Kevin, I want to jump back a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I love automation, right? I, uh, I self-identify as an automation TME here at at. NetApp. So, you know, I rely on you for WFA expertise <laughs> sometimes. So, but no, uh, jumping back a little bit to Cloud on Tap, right? I think that this is, I mean, it's, it's fascinating, right? And I think it really fits well with the types of applications that we see typically deployed into a hyperscaler. Um, so, so what are the use cases that, that we're seeing that we've modeled around Cloud on Tap? And how can customers capitalize on that? Let me, let me try to answer. Um, the, this is a little challenging, mainly because uh, we're still seeing the ramp up in adoption. Okay? Um, we're fairly new still. We've got a year, we're a year old. Um, and most of the customers that, that we work with, it takes them a while to adopt uh, new technologies. And this isn't new. It's still on top, but it's a new, let's just call it a new platform. It's in the cloud. And while they've had initiatives, 
uh, to go into the cloud. You know, some of them have been on different journeys. You know, so let's go back last year. Last year, when I asked people, how many are in the public cloud? And then, uh, you know, maybe 10%. How many actually have initiatives to go to the public cloud? And then at least 50%, if not 70% of the hands went up. Yeah. Okay, great. Or, you know, do you expect to go in the, in the cloud in the, in the next year? Man, hands just drop off. Well, yeah. if I ask that question now, you know, it's more of like, no, the whole room the hands are like, I'm going to the public cloud in Either some in way. Either in or going, right? In some way, shape, or fashion. People have said, no, we're still evaluating. Like, I got to go now. I'm being told to go now. We have to go now. You know, there's, they understand that the relevance of the public cloud is there. But to answer your question, cloud on tap, we've been seeing uh, much more of a ramp up. You know, current version of cloud manager and cloud on tap is uh, version 2.0 of cloud manager, which is readily available right now uh, out you know, from, again, NetApp support downloads for customers or the Amazon Web Services uh, marketplace. Yep. And um, the cloud on tap is based upon our current version, shipping version of data on tap. So it's 8.831 GA. Oh, nice. So, and, you know, it, we, we, will, uh, we have definite concurrence with each of the new releases of cloud on tap, either the dot releases, the uh, release candidates, or the GA releases. So, but as far as use cases... Um, We've got, I've got a couple of different scenarios. You know, there's been some test dev. You know, there's been some people that have actually stood things up, going ahead and replicating some sort of data set up to Cloud on Tap and then running that in the cloud. Um, I'll actually go back with our platform workload engineering team. You know, we, uh, they just started to join us. And then they helped me produce some pr um, performance numbers for Cloud on Tap, for the different sizes of Cloud on Tap that we have. And you know, they went ahead, replicated a data set, and then went through and did their test, and then either moved the data back down or back up. You know, so again, be, and also, um, <laughs> it was pretty cool to see the glee on their faces to say, I don't have to run these serially anymore. I can spin <laughs> these up and run them all in parallel. Oh, my God. Nice. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, it, it, it was just giddy, giddy, giddy. I mean, it was it was really pretty cool. Um, uh, another use case. Um and I can actually say this, a uh, customer um, who's been helping us, he helped us at um, AWS, uh, um, the AWS Summit up in New York uh, back in August. A uh, customer named Paul Brown. Paul, if you're listening, thanks for, uh, thanks for helping us. From Cordant Group out, out of uh, UK. You know, and he, his use case is a poster child story for the reason of Cloud on Tap. He was trying to move some of his workloads, SQL workloads, up into the public cloud. You know, he's using Amazon RDS. He was using, e, you know, he's using the EBS. He's using the different snapshots. He's actually standing things up, and things weren't working quite as well for him as expected. You know, but then enter Cloud on Tap. Hmm. Oh, I use on I use NetApp on on premises. Let's go and spin up Cloud on Tap. All right. Well, since I'm using SQL. Let's go ahead and just move that SQL data set up to the Cloud on Tap system. I'm using you know, Snap Manager for SQL for my hosts. So okay. let's go ahead and install Snap Manager for SQL on my host. And then, hey, look, this is the same exact process, same exact procedure that I have on premises. I don't have to change anything. I don't have to retool anything. I don't have to say, okay, you know, maybe, let me go ahead and recover from an EBS snapshot. All right, I've actually have four or five EBS snapshots. Why is my performance starting to drop off on my EBS? Yeah, um, yeah, it's not a NetApp snapshot. It's it, I'm not going to go into it right now, but you know they don't have the storage efficiencies and the data management that we that we bring to bear. Also, right. the storage efficiencies. If you end up getting 500 gig, one terabyte, you know I need you know I need to have six terabytes for this one application workload. Yeah. Well, with our thin provisioning, no, you don't. You don't provision all that all right up front. You grow as you go. Well, in most cloud scenarios, you know you actually purchase all of that up front, or at least you're paying for it. Yeah, Even and if, if you've got an availability it. group that's got three <laughs> copies of that data, you're not having to have it three times. Right, exactly. So, but anyway, I mean, he was actually just also describing an outage that they had and just the recoverability. Okay, open up that file system, say this is the backup I want. So from an outage, because they hit a virus, um, it's kind of a funny story, but I'm not sure we have time anymore. But anyway, from the outage, he basically click, drag, you know, went ahead and recovered all his uh, data like in five minutes. You know, so again, bringing the the NetApp value prop definitely to the public cloud. And um, there's also a couple other customers. Um, they've requested that we go ahead and add in uh, capability of using magnetic disk uh, or EBS standard. Yeah. You know, so there's a couple of different flavors. There, well, there's actually three. We use two. So for for our data aggregates, you know, there's the the three that are in Amazon. So it's Amazon e um, standard EBS. So that's magnetic, magnetic disk. Think of think of SATA. And then there's GP2. Think of uh, SSD. Okay. And then there's also 
provisioned IOPS or IOL, and that's really where you can go ahead and say how much you know for your size, how much IOPS do you want on that size of disk? And the reason we don't use that is because it's pretty pretty expensive. Yeah, oh. yeah it's it's it, way up there. It's it's cost prohibitive. Let's yeah. just put it that way. But the the right mix is really GP two, and that's what we typically use. And actually, that's what we strongly recommend for any application workloads. For the customers that do want to use uh, magnetic, that's really going to be something for cold storage. So for customers that you know who've who've expressed this use case, I don't want to attach any compute to that cloud on tap instance. Period. I just want to use that as a destination for my snap mirror. I'm going to have it turned off when I don't need it to mitigate my cost. I'll turn it on when I need to go and replicate to it. But that's it. Yeah. I, I don't want to do anything on it. And that's break, break glass on emergency, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's there. It's a copy that they can pull back from. So No, uh, and I like that. So from my perspective, right, I love that cloud on top enables the so-called cloud native applications to consume data on top. Right, which means exactly like you said, all this, all the efficiencies, the replication, the protection, the recoverability, all become a part of those applications. And you can deploy those on tap instances just like you would any other, you know, component in your in your application. You know, you need to expand the cluster. Great, it's an API call over to Cloud Manager, and it takes care of it. So, yeah, it, I personally think that that's that's an underutilized use case that exists right now. And I think a lot of that is just people getting used to it being available. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, again, peop uh, it's only been a year on. You know, customers sometimes take a little while to evaluate and say, yep, this is what I want to try and do. But the beauty about Cloud ONTAP is the speed in which you can stand this up or tear it down. We're bringing the speed of cloud to NetApp, definitely. You know, I don't know if that's a catchphrase or not. but Sounds like one. I like it. <laughs> but, but honestly, you know, again, 20 minutes. 20 yeah. minutes, you've got a fully functioning enterprise class storage system running in the cloud. Well, yeah, and, that, and uh, what, what was it that uh, the quick hit that Val gave us? Um, innovate like a startup, deploy like an enterprise, uh, a.k.a. own your data, rent your compute. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And actually, um, going back to uh, Jay Kidd, our, our previous C, uh, CTO, yep. he basically says, Cloud on Tap enables us to fail fast. And for any company, any business these days, the ability to fail fast means you innovate faster. Yep. Yeah. It's all about cycle time. Yep. How long does it take for you to try something? Yep. So one of the other things um, I'd be remiss of actually mentioning, because we've talked about Cloud Manager and like Cloud Manager, what it does for Cloud ONTAP. Well, it doesn't just do Cloud ONTAP. It can also help you discover your physical systems. So if you've got an NPS system or if you've got an on-premises system and Cloud Manager can see those systems, you can pull those systems into Cloud Manager, into the user interface, and they look like a little cloud. The reason this is important is because then you can go ahead and do some basic tasks, you know, like you know, creating volumes, or doing some other things. If you need to, if you do need to do much further um, uh, storage actions, that's really where System Manager, or WFA, or CLI, or whatever it is you end up doing, are really more applicable. But we get to look at and see all of the resources you have. The reason this is cool is because of that click and drag snap mirror capability that Cloud Manager provides. So instead of actually trying to remember if it's cluster pairing, start, you know, storage virtual machine pairing, and then do, setting up the relationships, any of that, mm -mm. Click, on this, click on the cloud that you want as the source, drag it over to the cloud that you want as the destination, then select the volume you really want to replicate. Select the schedule you want to replicate. That's it. No way. Dude, it's really, really cool. I haven't seen that before. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. You well, literally can click and drag it and create your replication? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, if you, and, and for those of you out listening, you want to see it in Insight, I'm going to be demoing that. Was that your radio voice? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and there's APIs for that as well. Oh, yeah. Actually, um, the, one of the things that I do in the workflow I mentioned earlier in the session, I'm using the Cloud Manager APIs to do that. Yes, but yeah. Andrew, I can't click and drag an API. But I, I think that's... <laughs> but, see previous conversation about driving mice. <laughs> no, I think that's one of the more complex tasks that a lot of people ask for, right? How do I automate setting up snap mirror relationships? And, you know, Kevin just said that it's done. It's it's already just an API call. Yeah. So Click and drag? Yeah, or click and drag for, for Pete. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so uh, Kevin, for people who do want to learn more, uh, I know a while back you guys had a uh, URL or a dedicated website for the try and buy yep. uh, poc.nanup.com. That, I, yep, yep. as I understand it, that that program has undergone a little bit of maturization. So, uh, yes, great point. Um, yeah, poc.nanup.com right now, as a time of the session, uh, still exists. You yeah, know, we're going through some evolution. You know, uh, think of poc.nanup.com as w it was a necessity. 
we needed to bring awareness around our cloud solutions, our cloud, uh, cloud capabilities, also providing the try or proof of concept type of um, platforms, POC, you know, um, for our customers. And actually, not even just our customers, but our field and our partners, everyone. Yeah. You know? So we're a year on. You know, we've evolved a little bit more, and you know, we've worked with some other teams. To, so we've kind of separated things a little bit. POC.netup.com has changed. You know, so we've we're actually changing that to CloudLab.netup.com. Okay, CloudLab. So, okay, CloudLab. So, yep, one word, CloudLab. Um, plural actually works as well because of the um, what we put in for the redirects. But so CloudLab.netup.com, and the information is still there. But we're also shifting a lot of the information that's there around NetUp Private Storage. Uh, cloud on tap cloud manager alta vault you know and over to a new site the new site is uh, netuponcloud.com so netuponcloud one word dot .com and that's really um, microsites microsites a valid word right yeah yeah so basically that's that's now the the face of our cloud solutions. So you can still find information on our cloud solutions on www.netup.com slash cloud, but you might not find the depth of what you need. So if you go to netuponcloud.com, you'll find more information, either data sheets, you know, much more uh, deeper dive on uh, for white papers and things on NetApp Private Storage, Cloud on Top, Cloud Manager, and um, AltaVault. You know, the other thing that's there is the portal for some of the, um, some of the trial Aspects. So the try it free, our test drive programs. Okay. So if customers or anybody wants to try out any of our solutions, you know, this is going to be the place that they'd go. So if they go to netuponcloud.com, up in the right hand corner, they'll see a try it free button. And then that'll take them to a page for trying out our NetApp private storage solutions, you know, and then our cloud on tap solutions with or without cloud manager and our AltaVault solutions. And I think we also have an OpenStack test drive that's going to be up there very, very shortly. So the um, the main reason is to actually go ahead and offer people that are interested in NetApp solutions to try them out. Okay. You know, just whatever it might make sense. So the process there is you click on it. If you've actually signed up for the test drives, that means you've actually signed up for Orbitera. There's a little form to fill out, and that form will be presented to you each time. For those of you who've tried this before, what's not so obvious is down at the bottom of that form, there's a very tiny login link. And so if you've already signed up, just click on that login link, and then you can go in and you'll have access to the different test drives. The test drives typically run an hour you know, some run two, two hours, um, but you don't have to worry about them. You know, you don't have to worry about, you know, cost. You don't have to worry about instantiating them, anything else like that. They're all self-driven platforms or applications as a service. They're run in our account, so the Data Fabric Group's account. Okay. And then once the expiry time is done, we'll tear down and reclaim all the resources. And, you know, I think, I think the standard um, number of times that you can try it is about five. Yeah, but usually that's enough to go ahead and try things out. And actually, you can go off the reservation from the test drive manual and try other things out if you want, if it's applicable for what you're trying to do. But if I go on the NPS test drive type of uh, scenario, you know, what we do is on our physical gear in one of the co-location facilities, you know, so it's a, this is in um, Ashburn, Virginia. So uh, for Amazon, that's a U.S. East 1. So there we have a four-node 8060 cluster. On that, we'll go through and carve out a storage virtual machine, put some VLAN tagging on it, We'll modify our uh, switch, you know, our layer three switch to go ahead and uh, match that VLAN tagging with the border gateway patrols and the VRFs. And then we'll also hook that up into our Amazon account. So that's actually where we'll put in our Amazon account. We'll go through and put out a jump host. We'll stand up a Windows 2012 server. On that, we'll put in uh, SQL 2014. Then we'll go through and on our storage, we'll go through and flex clone, you know, a 200 gig database. Then we'll seed that uh, SQL 2014 database. And then on the jump post, we've got Snap Manager for SQL, so and we've already connected everything. Once that's all up, it takes about 15 minutes. Then you have an hour to run through the test drive manual and then go through uh, the different exercises. But we stood up that whole platform, that yeah. whole stack. Okay. You know, and that just gives relevance to instead of you having to go through and try it out yourself or stand everything up yourself. Oh, yeah. Putting it, that entire thing together in an hour in your own environment is not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and then come through and try it. You know, go through and have your colleagues try it. I mean, that's, it's, that's the beauty of that it's stood up. And then, well, we tear it all back down. And the reason I'm mentioning this one for NPS is that also off of, P, uh, I'm sorry, cloudlabs.netup.com, no longer POC, we also have offered the ability to try, have an extended trial for NPS. We do the same exact stack. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe not standing up the SQL part, but you know, on our storage, um, on our cluster, we'll stand up a storage dedicated storage virtual machine. We'll update our layer three switch, and then we'll hook that into your account. 
Okay. Or, you know, am, and it's actually account or subscription. So this applies to either AWS. It also applies to Amazon, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Microsoft Azure. So you, if you want to try it out with my, um, AWS, if you want to try it out with Azure, for MPS, that's fine. We can hook up our storage and hook, have that hook up into your account so you can try it out with your own data, your own compute, whatever workload you want, and then go for it. I mean, you know, do whatever it is you want. You know, we also provide you a small console to go through and actually manage that storage virtual machine for you. So that way we bring the storage, we bring the networking, you just bring the computer, whatever data it is you want to try out. So it's just it, more of an enabling factor so people can try it before they buy it. Awesome. Well... We're in another vortex because it's the week before Inside, as we mentioned, but we just got back from Inside yeah. in Vegas. Yeah, in, in actuality, we are currently recovering from whatever has happened. Right. <laughs> so that being said, Kev, I know that you're going to be at Insight Berlin as well. So why don't you tell yep. us a little bit about what you're going to be doing uh, for the folks in Berlin for, at Insight? Sure, sure. Um, it's it's almost the same exact thing that I, I, we just did at Insight in um, Las Vegas. Okay. You know? So um, there's going to be several different things. I've got two specific sessions. I think they run three times each. Um, so one is on um, Cloud Manager. You know, and I'm in that session. I'm definitely going to be focusing on the um, hybrid cloud management. You know, the integration with the other on-command products and actually how Cloud Manager helps you with overall management of hybrid cloud resources. So I also end up uh, will be demoing the workflows that I put together to stitch together Cloud Manager, OnCommand uh, Insights, and uh, NPS. Okay. So, so a lot of those different things. And uh, the second session is a deeper dive into Cloud on Tap. You know, how does it work? You know, what what are the underpinnings? And what it you know, in that there's going to be a little bit of overlap between them because I can't talk about Cloud Manager without talking about Cloud on Tap. I really can't talk about Cloud on Tap without talking about Cloud Manager. Yeah, sure. But in the deeper dive, we actually go, we do actually go deeper. You know, what is the overall architecture underneath the covers? What are some of the performance considerations? And what workloads uh, uh, should you use? And where does Cloud Manager? I'm sorry, where does Cloud on Tap fit? You know, one of the other things is um, there's also a Cloud Day. Um, we had the Cloud Day a couple times at. Um, in uh, in Vegas, but the cloud day is really talking about um, our data fabric and actually going a little bit further. So with that, I'll expand a little bit more. I'll be going on. Uh, I'll be talking about the net private storage stories and our. Uh, I'll be demoing uh, the cloud to cloud failover capability. I'll also talk about and demo a little bit of our cloud on tap and cloud manager capabilities, and I'll also be talking about Alta Vault. Nice, nice. Well, good. I think that's a good. I think that's a pretty good in introduction into uh, Cloud on Tap for those of you that are new to Cloud on Tap. Glenn, Andrew, any questions for our guest? No, I just wanted to thank Kevin for. Uh, you know, I know, I know you are you are busy, busy man. You've got a <laughs> lot of commitments and a lot of stuff that you've got to go get finished up. So, thank you very much for taking the time out to talk to the listeners today. Uh, oh, my pleasure. We'll, we'll have to circle back around next time you guys have something to announce, get you back on here and keep everybody up to date. Yeah, no, that's that's perfect. I mean, uh, I, I love doing this. Uh, I know it reaches a lot of our uh, our listeners, and uh, it's it's important. So, um, yeah, things. <laughs> you're right. Things are crazy busy, but uh, this is uh, this is this is fun. This is actually a great break from uh, the the grind that I've uh, I'm going through right now. Awesome. All right, well, that music tells me it's time to go. And so if you want to get in touch with us, send us an email at podcast.netapp.com. Follow us on Twitter at NetApp, or subscribe to the podcast on both iTunes and SoundCloud at Tech on Tap. Follow us on our new website URL, techontappodcast.com. And until next week, bye for now. All right, it's raining, guys. You want to do the rain dance? No, no. Which dance do we do to send some of this rain to California? Yeah, because rain, rain, go away, I think it's called. Yeah, is, that, is that what we do? No, I think you gotta go out and start twerking. It, it, so I need to go twerk in the rain? So oh. if Glenn twerks in the rain, the rain will go to Cali? Is that, is I, that, is I, that? I think that's the way it works. It's worth right. a shot. Well, let's go, let's go find this out because is it just me? I'm gonna skip that one. You sure? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I need someone to hold the feet. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Bobby.